as well. That's a look at Today in History along with Mike Martini. I'm George Zahn for WMKV. Thank you, George. In traffic right now, a couple of new problems on South 75 in Kentucky. Uh, the first one, South 75 south of 275 Erlanger exit. It's on the left side. And then a little not too far from that, southbound 75 at Buttermilk. The left lane is blocked as a car went into the wall there. So two problems if you're heading into northern Kentucky this afternoon. On a 75 northbound, two accidents, one of them north of Mitchell on the right shoulder and northbound 75 at Paddock on the right shoulder. We have an accident northbound Reading at Victory Parkway, 3600 block of Clifton Avenue. Uh, those are your other accidents, and um, we have slowdowns uh, southbound 75 off and on from Shepherd, uh, all the way down to the Brent Spence Bridge. So southbound 75, especially slow this afternoon. Perhaps folks heading to the ball game. Forecast tonight calls for partly cloudy skies with a 50% chance of another pop-up shower or thunderstorm. Tonight's low 68. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, but also a 40% chance of a pop-up storm, a high of 88. On Friday, partly sunny uh, with a high of 92. Saturday, sunny, a high around 90. And Sunday, partly sunny, a high of 85 degrees. Right now, we're right around 87 degrees here at 89.3. WMKV. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing where this week... As every week, we're putting folks just like you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And thanks so much to all of our Facebook fans who are getting, uh, gosh, a dozen or more new ones every single solitary week. And you can become a fan of Real Life Real Estate by going to www.realliferealestateradio.com. What does that get for you other than the wonderful feeling of joining about 1,800 members of our group and 4,200 fans? Well, it gets you a weekly update as to what's happening on Real Life Real Estate so that even if you can't listen to it live, you'll know which podcasts you want to download from uh, iTunes. And uh, also, if you sign up for our free weekly e-letter, we'll send you an article by or about or related to our guest or topic each week. So that'll help you out in your overall real estate investing business. Again, that's realliferealestateradio.com to become a fan of Real Life Real Estate Investing. Our topic today is one that is near and dear to the heart of many, many real-life real estate listeners. It's wholesaling, and we're going to try to give you some some tips today to help you wholesale your first deal or wholesale even more deals if you're already in that particular field. My guest today is Steve Cook, who built a very successful real estate investing business based largely on wholesaling up in the Baltimore area for about 10 years, then moved out to Wisconsin, where he continues in the real estate investing business. He is very well known throughout the United States for his love of mentoring other folks to do the same kind of debt-free investing that he has done. He's joining us now by phone from his home in Wisconsin. Welcome, Steve. Well, Vina, thanks for having me. Um, just a pleasure to be here. And I'm glad you could be here. You should, you could be here because I got to tell you, 80% of the questions that we get here on Real Life Real Estate have something to do 
with wholesaling. And we just can't cover that topic every single week. <laughs> so it's nice when we do get a chance uh, to to talk to someone like yourself who is an expert in the topic for all the folks who love wholesaling or love the idea of wholesaling anyway. And I want to go ahead and give out our numbers because I know we're going to get a lot of questions about this. 772-9658 if you're in the greater Cincinnati area. If you're listening to us on the web, 877-772-9658 is the toll-free number. Or you can send your questions via email to askvina at gmail.com. That's askvena, that's A-S-K-V-E-N-A, at gmail.com. Uh, now, Steve, for the for the two people on the whole planet who are in real estate and haven't heard of wholesaling, can you give, like, your elevator speech? What 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 is it? What do you do? Well, the quickest way to sum it up is wholesaling is basically getting out there and buying discounted real estate and selling it at a discount. You're, you're not selling it for less than you buy it for, but it's quick-turning real estate, buying it low and selling it low. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was something that was easy for me to get into because when I got started in the business, I had absolutely nothing, uh, no credit, no experience, no money. And it was, uh, I remember hearing about wholesaling the first time when they said you could do this without any of these things. I realized I was qualified <laughs> to do it. And uh, so... It was the ideal path for me to get started in investing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's it, it's not uh, wholesaling is not truly real estate investing in the sense that most people think of it, which is I buy a property, I put a bunch of money into it, and then I hold it for thirty years until I can pay off the loan, and in the meantime, I get monthly cash flow. It's a it's a quick in and out, one check, but cash kind of deal. Correct. And uh, I refer to myself as basically a real estate dealer. Uh, I always had an inventory, but my inventory was going in and out. If I didn't have inventory, I couldn't make money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the one of the other sort of key concepts that, that, that sometimes people miss when they first hear about wholesaling is that most of the time when you're wholesaling a deal to someone, that someone is another investor. We're not we're not looking we're not looking at the kinds of properties that homeowners <laughs> are typically going to be able to move into the next day. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, investors are always my buyers. I I chose not to focus on selling to homeowners because there were too many hurdles. And the fact of the matter was, the properties that I could get good deals on, homeowners did not want them. And uh, when I would actually teach people, it was always. I love to take them out to actually see these houses, um, and sometimes I would purposely take them to some of the worst ones because their eyes would cross as we were coming up to the front door because they smelled so bad and things like that. But because of the, the condition of the homes is why we're able to get good deals. And once you get used to them and you're in that real estate and investor's realm and dealing with rehabbers and people who are experienced with these, those homes don't affect you anymore. But that's one of the biggest challenges for a, be- a beginner to overcome is the condition of these houses. They just think that there's no way you can fix them up again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, very specific kind of buyer, very specific kind of property, meaning um, it's a, a it's a junker. <laughs> it's 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 because because later on when we talk about like what sorts of prices we're trying to buy and sell these things for, people are going to say, wait, how do you get a house worth a hundred thousand dollars for twenty two thousand? Because uh, it's not worth a hundred thousand in the shape it's in today is is the answer to that one. But I know that that one of the one of the big objections that I started hearing from people about two years ago is how can that possibly work anymore? There's no no one's buying houses. The housing market's in the toilet. There's no money for people, even if they wanted to buy houses, to 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 do that. Is, is wholesaling still a viable strategy in 2010? Wholesaling is extremely viable today. The people who are not in the market anymore are the people who were never really investors. Uh, when At the height of the market, when everything was on fire, everybody and their brother was calling themselves an investor. The real investors are still around, and they're still actively buying. Uh, those who were just jumping in and riding the market, who were not really investors in the first place, they don't know what to do with the deals today. And so it is very viable. There's many, many investors out there still purchasing properties. 
And in fact, many of the people who I am a mentor to are, have been having career years here recently. Uh, it's, it's been really good to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because when the uh, when the when the folks who aren't trained and don't know quite what they're doing and are just lucking into deals fall out of the market because that doesn't work anymore, uh, those who are trained and know what they're doing uh, sort of have a wide open field. So uh, I would agree with you that uh, although we keep hearing these horrible housing numbers, oh, you know, house sales were down thirty percent in in June. Like, what did they expect when they sucked all the first time home buyers into buying in? February and March and April, uh, that doesn't that really doesn't apply apply to our customers who are the real estate investors. We need to take a quick break. We're talking today about wholesaling with Steve Cook. Your questions will be answered if you call 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859 292 7342. Checking on traffic, accidents, two accidents southbound 75, one of them just south of 275 Erlanger on the left side, then the other one near Buttermilk southbound 75, and that is a left lane blocked car into a wall there. In fact, watch out for high water westbound 275 near the Licking River Bridge. Uh, I think they're getting some rain in northern Kentucky this afternoon. On the Ohio side of the river, northbound 75, you'll find an accident first at Mitchell on the right shoulder and then a little farther up at Paddock on the right shoulder as well. Accident 3600 block of Clifton, also Reading Road at Victory Parkway. Your forecast tonight, partly cloudy, chance of a shower. Again, tonight a 50% chance, a low around 68. Tomorrow, 40% chance of rain to go along with partly sunny skies, humid weather, highs in the upper 80s. Highs in the lower 90s on Friday and around 90 degrees on Saturday. Right now we're at 87 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. If you love music, you'll love WMKV's evening lineup tonight. At 8 p.m. after Mystery Playhouse, it's Hit Parade Highlights. At 9 o'clock tonight, don't miss In Concert. And at 10 p.m., Barbershop Harmony. Followed at 11 p.m. by Music Till Midnight. Your favorites are right here every day on 89.3 FM, WMKV, the way radio was and is meant to be. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. The topic today is wholesaling real estate, a perennially popular strategy amongst new investors who see it as a way to get their feet wet in the real estate business without a lot of money, credit, etc., cetera, uh, by passing on deals to more experienced investors who do have lots of cash, and even folks who've been in the real estate market for, oh, say, 20, 21 years, still wholesale properties, because it is the quickest way to put checks in your pocket. And speaking, Steve, of checks in your pocket, uh, as with any strategy in Real estate. Um, there are there are particular kinds of properties that are really best for wholesale deals. Can can you describe what like your perfect wholesale deal is? Well, my perfect wholesale deal is typically a more modern house that's been abused. And when I say modern, uh, I typically mean anything built after 1950. Uh, coming from where I uh, in, invest. 1950 and newer is a pretty new home. We had so much inventory that was 80 to 100 years old. But ideally, a rancher or a, a two-story colonial that was um, three bedrooms or more, brick, and had modern construction standards that was beat up and in bad shape was the ideal home for me to pick up. That doesn't mean that I stayed away from other things as long as the numbers worked. Uh, I, I should probably have answered your question with a cheap house. <laughs> anything where the numbers worked was good. I would buy anything as long as the numbers worked. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I tell people that means the seller has to pay me to take it. But <laughs> I, I'm being facetious when I say that. But uh, there, that is true sometimes. I, if the numbers work, I will buy it. But my preference is always, you know, a nice neighborhood, uh, a home that was built after 1950. Brick is ideal three bedrooms or more. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, 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 and a single family home. I mean, is, is, is what you're talking about here, because I, I've heard people say, well, you know, I, I've got this really great lead on this little strip center. And that's that's great if you have buyers for strip centers. But there are many more buyers who are looking for a single family home to rehab or and sell or rehab and rent. So uh, that is sort of the sweet spot. It's always about when you're looking at a wholesale deal, it's always about how easy it's going to be to sell. Correct. And uh, I will just throw out there one mistake that many people make when I say that I want to buy cheap houses. A lot of people try to start out in the cheaper or the lower-priced end of the market because the numbers are more palatable for them. But I try to teach beginning investors that there's a reason why those homes are cheap. It's because nobody wants them. And uh, and I'm talking about a home that's even fixed up. If it's selling for forty or 50000 you can make some money on them, but that's how much I like to make on the whole deal. And uh, so it's hard to make a, str- a strong profit on something where it's only going to retail for 40 to 50 in the end. You want to be in solid neighborhoods, average pricing for the area, and that's, that's the ideal place to be to find mm-hmm. a potential ho- wholesale deals. Mm-hmm. And listeners, if you didn't catch the, the, what, what he meant by that, that means if you're in the Midwest, you're looking for properties with an after-repaired value of maybe a hundred to a hundred and fifty, hundred and seventy thousand dollars, depending on what your median price range is. But if you're in California, where the median house price might still be three hundred, even after the big real estate crash, uh, that's the kind of property you're looking for. One of the things that I've discovered in many years of of talking to wholesalers all over the country is it works the same way everywhere, but the numbers are different. So, um, okay, Steve, so we know what the ideal property is. We know what the ideal price range is now. We know we're looking for something seriously ugly. Uh, what, what kind of prices are you looking to, quote, pay for these properties as a, as a percentage of value or as a formula? Well, as a general rule of thumb, we have always been working with the after-repair value, which is what the home would be worth if it was fixed up, times 70% of that, and then we would subtract out the cost of the repairs, and then that is what we would pay. In this market, we're not paying that much. We are getting deals at much better prices than that. And uh, I would encourage people who are out there looking today to definitely not go over 60%. And the best investors are out there are doing better than that. Many of them are getting in at 50 to 55% and less of the after-repair value. Now, when you're talking about taking repairs out, sometimes that equates to buying a house that will sell for $150,000 for $35,000 or $40,000. And uh, so we're buying for sometimes about 20% of the after repair value. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now there's there, there, there's something that you're saying here, Steve, that I, I think is probably setting off alarms of some sort in, in some of our listeners, which is you keep referring to buying the properties. Is that in fact what is happening? We are not buying it when we're wholesaling. Mm-hmm. We are actually just putting it under contract and prior to actually settling on the property, we will find another buyer who steps in and takes our place. They actually purchase the property, and we just walk away from the settlement table with a check. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is where uh, we 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 get into this whole idea of you don't need cash or credit. <laughs> because you, you, exactly. need, you need cash and credit when you uh, buy houses, <laughs> and most wholesalers... Uh, do not buy houses. They they simply put them under contract and, as you say, let someone step into their shoes. Um, I just received a fairly lengthy email from Mike, who lives in Canton, Ohio, uh, that is more along the lines of a, of, a, of a testimonial to that wholesaling works than it is a question. But I'm going to try and I'm going to try and summarize uh, this for you. And, and Steve, I don't know if you're familiar with Canton, but it's it's a very depressed little city up in uh, northeastern Ohio uh, used to be a big... I have been to Canton. Been there. <laughs> uh, in my previous uh, job history, I was trying to sell a computer system to one of the major hardware stores there in town. Ah, okay. So I spent some time there. Okay. Um, he says, uh, Mike says, I know Steve talks about 
people sometimes paying him to take their home. Uh, and I wanted to tell you a story about that. We've had a lot of tough weeks and months lately in Canton, but uh, I have a recent personal blind, uh, bright spot. Joe Seller called me last week because he wanted to get rid of his deceased father's home that he'd been hanging on for nine years. Vacant, <laughs> paying utilities, maintaining the lawn. Uh, he finally got a letter from code enforcement uh, telling him that they were going to tear the property down. So he called me and asked me to buy it. Um, I primed him on the phone, let him know the last half dozen houses I bought in that area. I've bought for between two and $5,000. After viewing the house, I asked him for his price. He reiterated for about the fifth time that he just wanted to get rid of it. Bottom line, I told him if he wanted to quit claim the house to me, I might consider taking it off his hands, but I wouldn't give him any money for it because, quite frankly, I don't need another rehab right now, and I don't want his house for anything other than to wholesale it. So uh, his lawyers are preparing the quit claim deed today, putting it directly into Mike Spire's name. He'll be getting a check for $3,000 at the beginning of the week. Not a lot of money in the big picture, but I haven't been doing a lot of wholesaling, so for 45 minutes of my time, I thought it was a pretty good payback. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, and 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 given that uh, you know this house in Canton, uh, according to Mike, is fixed up, worth like uh, thirty to forty thousand dollars. <laughs> that's that's not a bad not a bad little deal for a, a property in an area that has that sort of uh, after repaired value. Um, so. Mike found this property because someone called him because I'm sure he does a lot of advertising for his rehabs. Uh, what are some of your best sources of these deals that people are willing to give away or to to let you put under contract very, very cheaply? Well, I've transitioned quite a bit. Historically, I've always pursued properties on the MLS, going after REOs and HUD. And, uh, and I will say that those are two of the best opportunities available today. Um, REOs are bank-owned foreclosures, and banks are going to be foreclosing on over one million properties this year, which is ten times the average of what we dealt with prior to this crash. So there's ten times as many deals that will be coming available as what we've experienced in the past. Um, HUD has always been very big for me. But as far as marketing, I do most of my deals via, via referrals today and really just getting out there and networking with people and letting people know that I buy. I'm in a new town. I'm not where I used to be. And so I had to start all over again in building my network. And I have people who, uh, in a short period of time, who are already calling me. And I've just got out there and networked, and I've let people know. Now, understand this if i wanted to do more than what i'm doing right now i would get out and start doing other things like putting signs up or doing mailings in fact i'm going to start doing mailings here again soon because one of the best opportunities that are available and i've done this in the past but haven't done it in this new market are probates or estate sales when someone passes away and the family is left with real estate they have to open up an estate with uh, down at the courthouse. It's called probate. And those are right now some of the best leaves that you can get. In a time when uh, real estate values have been going down and people are upside down with their mortgages, uh, there are still opportunities out there, but these estate sales are often owned free and clear. They're homes that are usually not really in really bad condition. They usually just need updates. They're just uh, an old grandma's home that has just hasn't been updated in many years, but they're typically in pretty good shape. They're absolutely, positively my favorite type of deal to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would say that REOs, HUD, and estate sales are by far the three best things that somebody could get out there and pursue today. Okay. Okay. Very good. And um, you know the big the big concern. Uh, out there in the world amongst people who have not done this before really is about I'm going to go and I'm going to be able to find the great deal because there's you know I keep hearing there's all these great deals on the market but then I'm not going to be able to find someone to buy the deal and you you just had the experience of moving out of an area where you had been flipping houses for 10 years I mean you'd been you'd, you'd done hundreds of deals in Baltimore and I'm guessing when you moved to Wisconsin, your Baltimore buyers weren't interested in buying a house in Wisconsin. So how, how, do you, how do you establish or reestablish that network of potential buyers? 
the very first thing I did was get in touch with the biggest REO agent in town. And so he has more foreclosure listings than everybody else. I took him out to lunch, and I wanted to know who all the players were. And I simply asked him, who else is doing deals in town? And, uh, and he threw some names out and let me know, and I just went and I got in touch with them. And I'm in a really different market. The town I'm in right now has 11,000 people. <laughs> I came from a metropolitan area that had over a million people. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not only looking in the one town. I look in a couple of the surrounding towns that have 10,000 people in them as well, and you know they're 20 minutes away. Um, but I was just having a discussion with someone yesterday that it's pretty amazing at how many rehabbers there are in this little town mm-hmm. and uh, how many people are actually buying houses, fixing them up, and flipping them. And all of those people are prospective buyers for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, contact the people who are already working with cash buyers who are looking for junk or real estate. That, that's, a, that's a great tip. We need to take a quick break, after which we will take listener calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or via email at askvina at gmail.com. Program support on WMKV comes from the Manor House Restaurant. Located on the campus of Maple Knoll Village, the Manor House offers lunch and dinner, as well as Sunday brunch and weekend buffets. Private party rooms are also available. Information and reservations at 513-782-4300. That's 513-782-4300. Well, in traffic, one of the two accidents, South 75 in northern Kentucky, has been cleaned up, the one near Buttermilk. The other one, South 75 near the 275 Erlanger exit, uh, still has the left lane block there. Watch out for an accident in Clifton at Kennard with injuries, also northbound Reading at Victory Parkway. And now we have a disabled truck, southbound 75 south of Shepherd. It blocks the center lane. So a disabled truck, southbound 75 south of Shepherd, not in a good spot blocking the center lane. Uh, Off and on slowdowns into town on 75 and uh, out of town northbound on 75 between 74 and Paddock and GE to 275. Northbound 71 slows up Smith off and on through Pfeiffer. Your weather forecast this evening, partly cloudy skies, maybe a shower or thunderstorm again. Tonight's low 68. Chance of rain 50%. Tomorrow, a 40% chance of a pop-up shower, otherwise partly sunny, a high of 88 Temperatures in the low 90s Friday and Saturday and back in the mid-80s on Sunday. Looking ahead to next week, we see partly cloudy skies, highs around 88 degrees Monday and Tuesday. Right now, that's about where we are, 87 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. You can make a best friendship even better. Share WMKV with a friend today. We are at 89.3 FM or anywhere in the world at WMKVFM.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Steve Cook. And uh, Steve is yet another one of the featured speakers at the 2010 OREA convention that is coming up uh, here in November in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, an event that all you real life real estate listeners should come to and an event that you can come to by pledging to WMKV. What a great deal. Get like three days of real estate education, really high quality stuff. And at the same time, get to support public radio. I just don't know how it gets any better. Uh, We'll have more information for you here real shortly about how to make a pledge to WMKV and get the Ohio RIA convention uh, as part of your pledge. But um, yeah, make a plan to do that. In fact, I think it might actually already be up here. Well, I'll straighten that out uh, and uh, and let y'all know. Oh, wait, there it is. Yep. It's at WMKVFM.org. And if you hit support, and go about halfway down, you'll see a thing that says uh, $99 pledge level for two people to attend OREA Conference 2010. And when you click that link, it will send you to a quick description of what's up with the OREA Convention. And you can do that. That date, by the way, is November 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th. So put that on your calendar, if nothing else. 
Um, okay, so Steve, I have a question here from Melinda. And by the way, listeners, when you send us an email, please let us know where you are writing from, because sometimes that makes a difference in the answer. Um, hi, Vina, just wondering if you or Steve are experiencing lower levels of investor activity for your wholesale deals. Are you sensing buyers stepping back a bit, waiting for a further downturn or anything of that sort? The reason I ask is that it seems like a lot of wholesalers are advertising deals for much longer than in the recent past. Is this my imagination? What are you seeing? Well, that is certainly something that I have been seeing happening quite a bit. But those wholesalers typically had those issues for all the time. They would try and sell that same property over and over and over again because the price was not right. And for me, many people always would ask me, you know, how long it took me to sell a house. Most of the time, as I was tying that property up, I already knew who my buyer was going to be. And because I had a good relationship with my buyers, I never did have these very long lists of potential buyers. In most cases, I only dealt with maybe a dozen or fewer buyers, but I had good, solid buyers, and as long as I had good deals, they were going to purchase, and that still holds true today. The key to moving properties quickly is having the right price. The market is going down, and there's no, and I don't think that we are, we are seeing uh, an uptick here. Um, we're going to continue to see the market going down, but investors who are aware of that, who are savvy, they're factoring that in when they purchase today. So you can't purchase based off of today's numbers if you're a wholesaler. You need to purchase based off of where the value is going to be or where the investors think the value is going to be when they're going to have that property ready to sell. So just about every active rehabber I know is looking at what properties are not selling for today, but even looking at what people are listing if they're already reducing the prices, and they're coming up with a value that is less than what's actively taking place right now in order to determine what they're willing to pay for a property today. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, properties are still selling very quickly to active investors, provided the prices are right. Anytime somebody can't wholesale a property, it's because they paid too much. And the way that I always overcome that argument, I'll ask people, they'll say, well, you know, he can't sell that property. I said, well, if he was asking a dollar for it, do you think he'd sell it? Oh, yeah, he'd sell it right away. <laughs> well, so we've established that people will buy it. The problem is the price is not right. And if the price is right, they will sell. Mm-hmm. And and Melinda, there's there's a second thing that I think you might be seeing that is more a trend in the education industry than it is in the wholesale industry. And that is, there are a lot of people out there right now trying to pitch, trying to pitch folks on the idea that it's possible to wholesale properties that you've never seen, that you've never reviewed, that are in a place that you're not even familiar enough with the values to make a good determination on uh, what what um, the property might be worth. And uh, they, they have all sorts of, I don't know, quote, evidence to, 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 to back up the, the idea that you can just like make offers over the web and then sell properties over the web. And it's just not true. And I think there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have fallen for this, who, who, are, who are paying 1000 2000 sometimes $5,000 to be taught to do the wrong thing. And the reason that I, I, know that I know that this is going on is because I get two or three calls a month from people who are, quote, trying to wholesale me properties in Cincinnati that uh, they live in Seattle and they, when I say, well, what do you think the property's worth? And they say 150 and I say nothing in that neighborhood has ever sold for more than 75 they're just they're just flummoxed, you know. The realtor told me it was worth one fifty, <laughs> and yes, those properties never sell. They never ever ever sell. So you might see those hanging around for a while because. Uh, I'm sorry, Steve. I don't. I don't. You, you may you may totally disagree with me about this, but I, I've been I've been wholesaling for over fifteen years, and if I called my buyers and said, "Yeah, I've never seen this property. I really don't know what's the matter with it, except what the owner told me, and I really don't know what it's worth, except what the tax records say that that it's assessed at." But I'd like you to go look at it. They'd hang up the phone on me, and they'd never take my call again. 
For the most part, I do not disagree with you, but only because I have wholesale properties without ever seeing them. But I was intimately familiar with those neighborhoods. I knew what the values were, and I also knew what the worst case could be because mm-hmm. I've rehabbed many homes in those neighborhoods that, you know, I knew that if I had to tear the whole house down and rebuild it, I knew what my worst case was. And and when you can buy cheap enough, I have done that before. Mm-hmm. But I would never, and I never advise people to do that in the market that they're not aware of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, and and don't do it with buyers who don't know you and trust you either. <laughs> because I'm sure when you had that conversation with the buyer, Steve, it went along the lines of, yeah, you know, I've rehabbed five houses in this neighborhood, and heck, if you had to tear it down, the land would be worth more than this. So <laughs> it wasn't, exactly. it wasn't, no, I live in Seattle, you know. Um, okay, we have a question here from Scott in St. Paul. He says, uh, when you met with the REO agent, you were relatively new to the town and likely hadn't sent any businesses way. I can understand why an agent in a small town like this might see a wholesaler as a rival source of junker houses that could eat into his bottom line. So how did you approach this agent so that he was willing and open to share his buyer's list? I presented myself as a prospective buyer. I didn't go and just ask him for his buyer's list. I went and said that I'd like to do business with you. By the way, I'd like to network with other people in town. Can you please please pass some names along? Um, and I would be a viable buyer uh, if whenever he brings me something good. And he does. On occasion, I'm the first person to hear about deals that he has. And he has other people who he knows what they're looking for, and he lets them know before they actually get listed. So I presented myself as a buyer, and there's a possibility that I might buy one of his properties and wholesale it to another investor. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you've got to be really careful when you do approach people. The last thing in the world you want to do is approach an agent and say, look, I'm just looking to wholesale properties, and uh, but that, they don't want to hear that. You need to present yourself as a buyer and somebody who's credible, and that's what I did. And once he realized that and we started building a rapport, I could say, by the way, who else in the area is active? I'd like to get to know some of the other people. And he was very willing to pass some names along. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, here's a question from Anthony here in Cincinnati. He says, I'm interested in learning how to build a wholesaling business. How much money do I need initially to start this type of business for education, marketing, etc.? And then how much money would I need per month to run it for the first six month of, months of operation? Well, obviously, the more you have, the more you can do, but you don't need anything. And there's a lot of people who think that that's crazy and that's wrong. I, I, my own personal experience is where I didn't have anything. I, I had to just get out there and hit the streets when I got started. But just to further illustrate it, I want to just share a story about a student. And, and you might even know this person, Vina, because I think that they contacted you at some point, too. He was from Ireland, and he had come to one of my boot camps. And when he came to my boot camp, he shared a story with me about how things were bad in Ireland. He wanted to come to the United States, and he wanted to start wholesaling. And no matter where you are, no matter what you have, there is a way to get into this business. And I sat down with him, and we came up with a plan. He didn't have a car. He came from Ireland. He had about $500 in his pocket when he came over. He didn't have a place to live. I let him stay in a room that was below my office, and, uh, and, and so he stayed there. He didn't have a telephone. I told him that he could use my telephone uh, number, and, but what I told him to do was go out and have flyers printed up with his name on it and says that he buys houses and put my phone number on it, and I told him to go down and start walking the streets and putting these flyers out at houses. And and he did it, and he followed this plan. He was only in the United States for 90 days. On the 87th day, he picked up his first check for $5,000. Nice. And all he had were shoes and, uh, and a plan, and he just went out and he fully executed his plan. Now, that was a lot of hard work, but my point is he had nothing and uh, and was able to do it because it was a well-thought-out plan that he went and he executed. So depending upon where anybody, no matter where anybody is, they can do this. But it's a matter of getting out and executing and getting your name out there saying that you will buy. 
and um, and if you don't have money at all, there's ways to do that. If you have money, then there's marketing that you can do, and uh, you can participate in in different ways. But you know, one of the challenges that many people have today is being able to purchase homes and not coming across as a credible buyer. And just as an example, that would be with REOs or bank-owned properties. You need to have proof of funds and demonstrate that you've got the down payment and that you ha- or you have cash to, to show up at the settlement table with. That gets stricter and stricter all the time. However, that's not the only way to buy properties. You can go, and I tell people, just play in a different arena. Play where you make the rules, not the seller. And I encourage people then to go the probate route. Go, uh, you know, do mailings or get people calling you up because when you're dealing with private parties and getting away from real estate agents, you get to make the rules. You can put down $10 earnest money deposits and you don't have to prove that you have the ability to purchase. Um, But uh, so there's all kinds of places to start. You just really have to be honest with yourself and evaluate where you are right now and then come up with a plan. Okay, very good. Now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to answer some more questions that have come in via email, and we're also going to talk to Dee, who is going to hopefully patiently hang on the line for about a minute while we do some uh, traffic and weather and so on. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Support comes from Rockdale Temple. Rockdale Temple, a Reformed Jewish congregation open to all and dedicated to the values of spirituality, community, education, and social action. Prospective members always welcome. Rockdale Temple, where you are valued and values matter. Online at rockdaletemple.org. Well, to go along with the accident, southbound 75 south of the 275 Erlanger exit in Kentucky, where the left lane is blocked, we have one exactly opposite, northbound 75 at the 275 exit in Erlanger. The right side is blocked. Still have an accident at Clifton at Kennard. Still have an accident at Reading at Victory Parkway. And your forecast tonight, partly cloudy with a 50% chance of rain. Tonight's low, 68. Tomorrow, partly sunny with a 40% chance of showers and a high of 88 degrees. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Steve Cook, wholesaler, author, lecturer, pretty famous wholesaling guy here in the United States. And uh, we're taking your questions uh, at least for a couple more minutes at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. We're going to go to line one and talk to Dee here in Cincinnati. Dee, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you very much. Good evening. Uh, I actually have uh, a couple of questions. With the real estate market being as soft as, as it is at this moment, is property flipping really the business that we should still be in? And the reason that I ask is because I see you know, uh, very... Um, I guess, wise and, and uh, real estate investors, very experienced real estate investors who are still struggling with being able to sell properties that they've invested in and have fixed up, and some of them have to go the rental route. Or, you know, I, I've, I've seen a lot of experienced real estate investors failing in the business right now. Is real estate investing really, uh, the, 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 I guess, the, the uh, where to be? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Steve? Whether or not one decides to flip or rent and the direction that one goes is really going to come down to what their goals are. I will tell you that there's a lot of people and uh, experienced investors who are sitting on property, but they still haven't adjusted to the market. When I tell you that many of the people who I coach are having career years right now, I'm not kidding about that, but they have made adjustments. One of the things that we do completely different than what we used to do in the past is our goal is to have the nicest house at the best price fully staged the day that we put it on the market. If there is only one person in that market looking to buy a house, we make it a no-brainer for them to choose our house. And we know that going in, in up front. We know what we have to be priced at, and we're going to beat everybody else. Not only is it going to be the lowest price, but it's going to be the best-looking, best condition. And, uh, and we get contracts relatively quickly. We st- we're still pulling in contracts typically within two weeks. What, what, I, what I notice, a, a lot of the houses, you know, the houses that you can get at the very cheap prices, the ones which have been foreclosed or bank-owned properties, et cetera, 
A lot of them are in uh, undesirable neighborhoods. So if you're getting, let's say, a property for you know ten thousand dollars and fifteen thousand dollars that you want to put, let's say, another fifteen or twenty into to fix it up, but you know, taking the the area into consideration, are you still finding success in those neighborhoods? Well, wait a minute, Dee. Before Steve answers, define success. Well, success meaning being able to purchase a property at a cheap price. You know, invest your money into it, fix it up, and and still sell it. Okay, and that's and that's that's the 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 key thing where I think maybe you and Steve are missing each other a little bit. Um, <clears throat> Steve sells primarily to retail sellers who are going to fix the property and resell it. They would never do that in an area that you're talking about. They they would never buy a property at any price in that area because it's not going to resell. Uh, or if it does, it's going to resell to a landlord, and and it has to be at a at a relatively low price. But mm-hmm. there's a whole different kind of buyer out there whose goal is high cash flow. And uh, you're from Cincinnati, D. I am. Okay, so you're familiar with uh, like uh, Evanston, Walnut Hills, right. that sort of area, uh, mm-hmm. where where there's a lot of like four and five bedroom houses, big big houses. Right. It it is possible, and I and I say this from personal experience, to buy a property in an area like that for ten to twelve thousand dollars, put another fifteen thousand in it, and and when I say fix it, I mean truly, it's in great shape. <laughs> you know, new windows, new furnace. A lot of these a lot of these properties have already been through one rehab, and they just they've just subsequently you know gotten foreclosed on and yes they need the plumbing put back in and yes they need paint and carpet and possibly a roof or something like that and then mm-hmm. rent that property for nine hundred and fifty dollars a month mm-hmm. and and the while you're hearing the retailers say oh woe is me you know I I, I, pay, I paid too much for this property now I can't sell it cheap enough or you know whatever the right. landlords are are happier than they have have been in the whole time I've been in real estate because what used to be a, a, a true net cash flow of I don't know on a property like that 150 bucks a month would have been good five years ago mm-hmm. are are seeing true serious cash flow after all expenses including vacancy including maintenance including turnovers of four hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So, well, this is what I want to know: Are there any areas, let's say in Ohio, just in general, any areas that don't really seem to be affected by the poor housing market that we have right now? Any areas that, that are still strong, where, where, where house values are still uh, as they should be or close uh, to, to where they should be? Well, that's that's a loaded question. What what should they be? <laughs> well, for, for example, if, if I go somewhere, well, let me give an example. I own a property. And, uh, you know, the, the property, uh, I, I don't want to say it's, it's upside down because the property, the value of the property, of course, is as it should be. But if I tried to sell it right now because of where the market is right now, I wouldn't be able to sell it for, for, uh, for that price. Are there any, any areas in Ohio which just don't seem to be affected by that upside down mortgage? Quick answer, uh, no. And, and, and in fact, I think, Steve, we could probably say the answer for the entire United States of America is no. It's probably no. And then there's a, there's a whole other, it depends, and it depends upon the person who went and bought it or got their mortgage and refinanced and how prudent they were. Um, right. But uh, if I could, uh, I also just want to add to, you know, one of the things that you were talking about was these investors who are reselling. And, the, and Mina brought up a great point that in those areas, my buyers would be landlord, not rehabbers. Anybody who's looking to resell, we don't buy in areas that are hard to sell. We're okay. really focusing on areas where people are buying houses. That's one of our criteria right now. As a rehabber, and, and, and I'm talking as a wholesaler who's wholesaling to them, they only want to buy in areas that are active. So they're buying in good areas where people want to own homes. And if we get good deals in, in those other areas, then we're going to focus on selling them to a landlord. I'll give you a quick local example, D. If you were able to get a property at 70 cents on the dollar less repair costs in Oakley, Mm-hmm. And you were able to put it on the market for ninety-eight percent of what other houses were selling for. You would sell it in two days. 
there there are still there are still hot areas in the sense that people are definitely looking for homes there and if they can get any kind of deal at all they're 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 jumping all over it uh but the you know in general as steve said it's got to be it's got to be the best house in the neighborhood and what what happened with a lot of the the um the you're you're calling them wise experienced investors is they got spoiled during the height of the real estate market to the idea of being able to go in and just do just do a buff and puff you know we're going to paint everything we're going to recarpet it we're not even going to put in the best quality carpet because we don't need to (laughs) because the housing market is so fast is moving so fast that it'll be sold before we even finish the paint job and Mm -hmm. if they kept doing that past about 2006 that yes Mm -hmm. they ended up with a lot of rental properties right right and and i definitely agree with that it's just my, my husband is actually a, a loan officer, and what he's been experiencing lately are you know, people who want to refinance, but unfortunately their homes are not, uh, I, I guess, are not being valued at what they would need in order to be able to even refinance or you know, possibly get cash out and you know, th- th- things of that nature. And I'm just saying, is there anywhere where homes are still valued at, at a decent a decent percentage? There's no place where they're still valued at their 2005 prices. Yeah. So if they got their loans in 2005, no. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Now, thank you very much. I appreciate all of your help. All right. Thank you so much for your call, Dee. Now, uh, Steve, we've only got like literally 90 seconds left, and, and I had meant to talk to you more about this, but can you can you describe briefly how this wholesaling thing has led to your personal debt-free investing? Well, as a wholesaler, I was also a rehabber, and I was doing a lot of deals, doing a lot of good things. And in 2005, one day I realized I was four and a half million dollars in debt. All good debt, by what we would normally look at it as, you know, none of it was bad debt, but it was all debt that would make me money. But the pressure that I was putting on myself, or the, the way that I had to perform month after month after month to keep this business going, I had to earn over forty thousand dollars a month. Something I did do, but it was. I hated making that kind of money only to see it go back out the door right away and looked at my tax returns one day and saw that I was paying in the neighborhood of about a quarter of a million dollars a year in interest to the lenders for these flips. And I thought, man, how many more flips do I have to do just to pay this interest? So I decided to stop borrowing altogether and just focus on running my business without borrowing a nickel. And we have completely transformed our business. We started that in January of 2006 to where today I don't do any borrowing whatsoever. We do everything, uh, focus on a lot of joint ventures, doing a lot of wholesaling, and um, sometimes using our own cash to do the deals. Thank you so much, Steve. And that is, of course, the topic of Steve's uh, OREA convention uh, uh talk and uh, more information about that coming up in the very near future. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. This is 89.3 WMKV, Reading, Ohio. Fox 19 News is coming up next. news in Warren County. For the third time, prosecutors want to try and convict Ryan Widmer of killing his wife, and this time they say they have a new person to help them prove it. But first, we have to talk about the weather because storms, once again, are moving through the area. Good evening. I'm Dan Carroll. I'm Tricia Mackey. Let's get straight to it. Chief Meteorologist Steve Horsmeyer's track on the weather. Uh, thank you, Tricia. Uh, the storms we have on Storm Tracker Doppler radar right now.